Language is a curious thing. Anyone who gets passing grades in grammar school English could be forgiven for thinking that a language is constructed like a locomotive, with many clever men in ties and rolled-up shirt sleeves making diagrams on large sheets of paper as a prim young woman in spectacles and a stately bun takes notes on a stenograph. It is a ridiculous image, to be sure, but after years of memorizing conjugation tables, the royal order of adjectives, and the curious paradoxes of adverb setting, one does feel that the English language is a sensible and scientific construction. It is not. Contrary to what your old schoolmar may have told you, the English language is far more animal than machine. It is a living and growing thing. New words are being added to our dictionary every year. During the war, new weapons called for new words. Today we think of gas mask as a common enough term, but the word was freshly coined in 1915. Just last year, doctors began using hemorrhage as a verb, and a certain kind of newspaper writer became known as a columnist. Words also change meaning throughout the centuries. The word nice, for example, was not always a favorite byword of society ladies remarking on the general agreeableness of a thing. Those who know their Shakespeare will remember that the eponymous monarch of Henry V cajoled his French wife-to-be for a kiss, saying, O oh Kate, nice customs curtsy to great kings. Dear Kate, you and I cannot be confined within the weak list of a country's fashion. We are the makers of manners, Kate, and the liberty that follows our places stops the mouth of all fine faults, as I will do yours, for upholding the nice fashion of your country in denying me a kiss. Here, nice is by no means the same as agreeable. Henry means it as fussy or over-scrupulous. Indeed, the word nice has gone on a journey and been changed, perhaps even more than French manners. Another curious word has re-entered the vernacular. Many of us might remember our grandfathers using the word virago to refer to their mothers-in-law or some spinster too concerned with the comings and goings of her neighbors. My own paternal grandfather favored Virago as a descriptor of Cary Nation. Recently, in New York City, a masked arsonist has been assaulting delivery trucks. The drivers of these trucks claim that the arsonist is a woman, and local papers have taken to calling her the masked Virago. Yet a Virago is not always a harridan or a shrew. It appears in the Vulgate Bible as the name that Adam gives to Eve. It is, linguistically, a cousin of such words as virile and virtue. The Latin vir meant man, a male human, and virago was applied to warrior women such as Atalanta and Camilla, queen of the Amazons. It was, in short, the feminine of hero. Yet for most of the word's life in the English language, it has been pejorative. Geoffrey the Baker, a 14th century English chronicler, 
referred to Isabella of France, wife of Edward II, as Ferrea Virago, for refusing to respond when Edward sang for her return. As strange as it may seem for a word to change its meaning so drastically, there are some who argue that its meaning has not changed at all. A hero is a man who displays all the qualities best liked in men. A virago, they say, is a woman who does the same. 